Bible with me to the book of John, and uh, I want to look at a, a ministry time that Jesus was having. You know, Jesus ministered in a lot of different ways. Sometimes he's just sitting there teaching. He's talking to a small group. Other times he's, he's preaching to multitudes. Sometimes he's hanging out with his disciples. Sometimes it's one-on-one. But very often you'll see Jesus having a, a healing service. And sometimes they're impromptu. It's just Jesus shows up and people recognize him. And that's what happened right here. I'm sorry, I told you John, but let's go to Luke chapter 4. And let's actually read this out loud from the screens, and we'll, we'll fill this atmosphere with the Word of God. Let's say this out loud together. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. The sun was setting, and people, they started bringing anyone they knew that was sick with various diseases, and they brought them to Jesus. And he laid his hands on them, and he healed every one of them. You see, the, the heart of God is to leave no one out. He doesn't have a long prayer line and say, you, 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 not you, not you, you, uh, it's just not your time. You, you, uh, I don't really feel it. I don't, I'm not feeling it today for you. But the heart of God is to include everybody in his promises and in his blessing, that everyone would be healed, everyone would be restored, Everyone would be made whole. And you see people gathering their friends and their family to Jesus simply for him to lay his hands on them. These were people who were desperate for a touch of God. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that where you feel like, I just need a touch of God in my life. I need him to put his hands on this area of my life. Or maybe I need his touch in my physical body to strengthen me, to heal me. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you've been working on something so hard and you just can't make it work, so you just need the hand of God on it. That's a situation that these people found themselves in, and they came to Jesus with that point of faith that if you'll just put your hand on my life, everything will turn around. And then there's another passage I want to look at, and this is in Mark chapter 6. In verse 53, it's right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. We'll get to that story in a moment. But it says, when they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. I want to pause there for a second. Jesus got out of the boat, and people had gathered there, and they, they recognized him. They saw him, and it wasn't because they're like, hey, isn't that the... The carpenter's son, that's not what they recognized about him. They, they didn't just simply recognize him for, yeah, that's, that's Jesus, but, but they recognized who he is and what he's done. This is the one who fed 5,000. This, this is the one who heals, uh, heal, heals the, the sick and, and brings re- recovery of sight to the blind. This is the one who healed that guy with leprosy. This is the one who raised that, that, that widow's kid from the dead. It's that Jesus who people come and they're, they're bound by the enemy and demons and he casts them out with a word. That's the Jesus they recognize. Jesus, this Jesus had a reputation in that community. And this is what he was known for. So when people recognized him, they didn't just recognize him as a good man. They didn't just simply recognize him as a great teacher. 
They didn't simply recognize him as a prophet of God or a holy man or, or anything like that or like a priest, but they recognized him for what his reputation had, had, had gained, how, the reputation he had gained. I pray that Jesus would have that same reputation in our church. And I pray that Jesus would have that same reputation throughout our community. Not that Jesus would be known as the one who tells people how they shouldn't live and how they should live. Not as the one who says, if you will align yourself with all my beliefs, then you'll be okay. But the one who meets people where they're at, that all those who are far off are welcomed by him. That all who are broken, when they come to him, are made whole. That those who are physically sick can come to him and be healed. I pray that even within our church and in the the God we serve, the Jesus of the Bible, that people would be able to come here who are not in their sound mind, whom doctors have said, the only hope for you is medication, that somehow they would encounter Jesus and with the breath of his word being spoken, that it would renew their minds and give them peace and make them of a sound and sober mind. I pray that Jesus would have a reputation here of setting people free from their bondages, from their addictions. That people who come here who've been struggling to forgive those who have deeply wounded them and they've been carrying that for so long, that, that Jesus would have the reputation of being able to heal them and help them to find forgiveness and extend forgiveness. That's the kind of reputation that Jesus had in the story we're reading. That he would have that reputation that, that you know what, you were just diagnosed with something. That the doctor said, just get your house in order because there's nothing you can do. And that the first thing you would do in getting your house in order would say, come with me to the rock because Jesus is there and he'll heal me. That kind of reputation is the reputation that Jesus wants to have in our community. And I just pray that he would have that. And that the people of the rock, that we would serve that Jesus. Yes, the Jesus who's full of truth, but the Jesus who's full of grace. The one who changes lives, not makes us good people, but completely uh, revolutionizes who we are and, and, and makes, us, makes us a people who know our God. They say, I, don't, I, I didn't get this way because I did it all right. I got this way because he's all right. And he, I met him. I met Jesus. And I didn't just try to get my act together, though we should. <laughs> but some of us can't. And we need Jesus to step in there. In fact, I think most of us can't. So let me continue to read here. It says, they recognized him. I pray that you would recognize him. Have you ever seen somebody and you thought it was someone you knew, but then you got closer and after you had already waved, and you're like, hi, and you walk up, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. You ever do that? It's embarrassing, huh? I think sometimes it's like that with Jesus. We think it, he's someone that he's not. And I pray that we would know him as he is. Know him as he is. 
It goes on to say this. It says, the people recognized them, and they ran through that whole surrounding region, and they began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. You know, when people hear that Jesus is in the house, they gather. God, make your presence known here at the rock. Make your presence known here. Wherever they heard he was, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. You see a contrast there? Jesus is having another healing service. But something takes place that's a little bit different. In the first story we read, we saw people coming to him and saying, I just need a touch of God in my life. In this situation, it says, as many as touched him were made well. There's times in your life where you're like that. God, I just need you. I don't know what to do. I just need you to put your hand on this. There's other times in your life where I'm just pressing in and going after God. I want to lay my hand on, on that which he, he, he has laid hold of me for. I'm letting go of things in the past. How many of you guys are saying, I'm willing to let go and I'm willing to lay things aside and press forward to, to lay hold of Jesus? And what I think is so interesting is that your point of faith will be your point of contact with the Lord. In other words, he meets you right where you're at. Whereas somebody, I mean, they're going after Jesus. They're laying it down. They're giving him everything they got, and, and, and nothing is going to get in their way. And Jesus meets them right there. And for some of us, that would be even a, a reminder of, do that. But that's not the only way people encounter Jesus. Sometimes they come and they say, I have no strength to even reach out to you. But God, would you have that grace and compassion to reach out to me? God, show yourself strong on my behalf. God, I don't know if I have what it takes. Lord, I need you to help me, help my want to, want to, right? But I know that if you touch me, I'll be made well. And in either situation that you find yourself in, the faithfulness of God shows up. He says, that's, that's where you encounter Jesus, and that's where you're made whole. So you have to determine where you're at today. Am I at a place where I just need the touch of God? Well, then let him know that and surrender to him and welcome that. And don't push it back. You might be in a place where I am pressing in or I need to press in. And I'm ready. I'm ready to lay things aside, give things up. I'm, I'm willing to laser focus on Jesus. God, whatever you need me to do, whatever you're calling me, wherever you're calling me to go, I'm willing to follow you right there. In either situation, Jesus will show himself strong in your behalf. Now, before we get to that, got to that story, if you were to back up and reading a little bit, you see the story of Jesus feeding 5,000. And, and the story starts off like this in verse 30. The apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught, because they went out ministering. And Jesus said to him, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Jesus said, you've been working hard. It's time to take a little bit of a break. That's important, by the way, for your soul and your body. And Jesus recognized that. It says, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. You ever have a day like that? Right? Man, I'm just, I don't even have time for lunch. I want to eat lunch, but I just got to get stuff done. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. 
But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them, and they came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude, and he said, Oh, no, not more people. (laughs) Is that what he said? Did he say, If I have to deal with one more demon-possessed guy, I'm just going to go walk across this lake and head to the other side. Is that what he said? Like, lady, please do not bring your, your, your sick kid to me again. Like, do you know how many time people I prayed for? Is that how Jesus acted? Even though he was tired, even though if you read, he just got the news about his cousin, John the Baptist, who was beheaded in prison. Even though he was processing all of that, he looks at the multitude of people. And the Bible says this. He was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. Listen to the heart of Jesus. He looks at you and me and he says, you're like a sheep without a shepherd and I'm a shepherd. Let me lead you. Let me feed you. So he taught them. He began to teach them many things. Taught for a long time. Because then the Bible says when the day was now far spent. Don't ever give me a hard time about preaching long, by the way. Jesus preached late into the day, far spent. I mean, sun starting to go down here. When the day day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is late because, you know, Jesus didn't notice. He couldn't tell time evidently or whatever the disciples thought. Send them away that they might go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. That's the last time the disciples came up with a great suggestion like that, right? Because all of a sudden he's like, you solved the problem. And they said to him, where shall we go, or shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? A denarii is a day's wage, so, so 200 days wages worth of bread and give them something to eat. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. I referenced this earlier because I felt like the Lord reminded me of this passage. What do you have? How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Now, what I think is interesting is when you read this passage, it's as if the disciples looked in their lunch pail and they came up with five loaves and two fish. But that's not exactly what happened. If you read the story in the book of John, you see in verse 8, it says, One of his disciples, Andrew Simon's Peter, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? So the disciples didn't even have food for themselves. They saw some kid walking through camp, and he had his lunch pail, and they went over to him and said, Hey, what do you have? And he's like, Oh, just, you know, some Wonder Bread here and a couple fish. And they're like, great. And they go and tell Jesus what this kid has. He's like a bystander. He's like, I just came for, you know, to hear Jesus and maybe camp out a little bit, see what's happening. But when you see what happens, verse 10, it says, Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. By the way, for all of you who are like West Coast people, California, Nevada, Oregon, Washington. When it says much grass, it's not talking about that recently legalized grass, okay? That's just important to note. Some of you guys are like, oh, man, I thought the Bible talks about that stuff. No, you hippies, that's not what it's talking about. It's just talking about the stuff growing from the ground that you sit on, okay? You mow it, whatever. That's what they had. All right, that was just a little 
I know sometimes the day and age we live in, it's confusing. Okay, so there's much grass in that place, and so he had them all sit down, and Jesus took, what did Jesus do? He took. Now, there's this boy walking through camp who has bread and fish, and Jesus takes this kid's stuff. If this was the YouTube generation, he'd be getting more, like, you know, mean comments than President Trump does with all his tweets that he puts out there. I mean, this would have been recorded, and this would have been really bad. Jesus took the one kid, you know, the food from the one kid who had stuff. Mean old Jesus. But Jesus took this kid's bread, and he did something miraculous with it. You know what the master can do when you put what you've got into his hands? Let's get back to the, the Mark passage there. It says this, after he commanded him to sit down, verse 41, and he had taken the five loaves and the two fish. So first thing he did, he took it. Next thing he did is he looked up to heaven and he said, oh, Lord God, we're all going hungry. Is that what he said? That's not what he said, is it? He said, oh, Lord, this will never be enough. Is that it? No. What does he do? He looks up to heaven and he blesses it. I want to pause for a second because something significant is happening. He took a little bit that was put into his hands, and he looks up to heaven. I really see the image of this, that there's a transfer that's taking place, that though the, the, the offering was put into his hands here on earth, but there's a transfer into heaven right at that moment, and it's opening the windows of heaven. And it reminds us of that Malachi 3 passage where God says, try me now in this. You bring your little bit, your tithe, your offering. See if I won't open the windows of heaven. We're seeing that demonstrated right here when someone was willing to put something into his hands. And so he took it in in his hands. He looks up to heaven. He blesses it. And then he breaks it. Have you ever put something into Jesus' hands, maybe your own life, and you're trusting him to bless it? but all of a sudden he breaks it? Has Jesus ever broke your stuff? Has Jesus ever broken something that you were hoping, God, I want you just to make this whole? Like I'm really expecting this to be made like solid and well and fix everything. And why is it that now when I came to you and I brought my hurts, I I felt like you're restoring, but all of a sudden you start poking at that one area that you know is infected. You know I, 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 I can't... I can't let you into that area of my life. As I read this here, I feel like the Lord might be kind of wanting us to think about a couple things. Of course, we're talking about what do you have? Like, that's a question you've got to ask. What do you have that has not been put into the master's hands? Is there something that, of course, we could look at this like with our resources and our treasures, And it applies to that. And what are those things that God is calling you to put in his hands? But I want to go a little bit beyond that. Because I feel like there's things that we carry ourselves that we're holding on to and we're not willing to put into his hands. We're thinking we can deal with it ourselves or I can hold back or I'm just not ready to let him go there. What area of your life has been off limits to Jesus? Is there maybe some unforgiveness and you're not willing to really let that out before him? Is there some hopes that have been dashed, and you're not willing to trust again? You know, we run into people sometimes, by the way, this happens in ministry, where we're 
asking people to step up to the plate, but they think back at a time when they were abused, used, burned out in the past, and there's walls set up. And they say, no, I'm not willing to go there because last time. And so there's a hurt that's yet to be healed. Maybe there's an illness or sickness, a phys- something physical that you really have not given over to the Lord to trust Him with. And you're trying to manage it on your own. It could very well be something, you're, you, some project, some process, some relationship, some way of seeing things in life. And you're holding on to it yourself. And Jesus is saying, will you trust me and will you put this into my hands? And sometimes we're, we want him to, to bless it, but we're afraid that he's going to break it first. And I'll tell you this, that until you're broken by the Lord, you can't be used to bless the people. You see, he took this bread, he looked up to heaven, he blessed it, then he broke it, and that's when he gave it to feed the people. What I mean is this, when the Lord breaks you, that's when you're able to identify your pains, your hurts, your need for the Lord, and then he brings healing there, but then you're also able to identify with the hurts, the pains, the weaknesses of others. And there's something about someone who has found themselves broken in the hands of Jesus when they run into somebody else who's experiencing the same thing and they're able to minister in a way that you can't get from the textbook. You can't get from just saying, yeah, just pray and let Jesus help you out. But you recognize, I've walked through this. I know what it's like to see your parents divorce and walk out on you. I know what it's like to live in the house of an alcoholic. I know what it's like to struggle with being abandoned by people who I thought would be there for me. I know what it's like to be bound by an addiction or to have unforgiveness or whatever it is. When you can relate to those things and you have put those in the hands of the Lord and and you've allowed there to be a humbling of the heart where you say, God, I need you to fix this. I need you to deal with this. I need you to go into any area of my life and I'm giving you full access. Jesus, would you, would you do what only you can do on the inside of me? When you find yourself at that point, the Lord says, now I can use you to the multitudes. But some people, they're stuck in that kid's lunch pail, right? We're stuck over here to the side and all the potential to feed thousands of people limited because they're not simply placed into the hands of the master. And I believe this, that this morning, Jesus wants you to go, allow, go deep and allow him into any area. And this might very well be the beginning of a process, not that it's completed today, but an invitation to the Lord saying, God, I'm going to give this area of my life to you. And I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm going to allow you to go into places that have been off limits. Or I'm going to, I've been carrying things that I I don't want to carry anymore. I'm willing to accept your truth to be spoken into this area of my life. And before I've had my ears plugged. But God, now I'm open. I don't know what it is 
And it really, it, it doesn't matter to me, and, and it's not going to be the same for anyone here. But the Lord will meet you right where you're at. And every single one of us, in order to be used by God, we've got to place our lives into his hands. And we have to allow him to break us so that he can remove some things that have caused that infection or that have limited. You ever, you ever have a splinter in your foot and you're, I can't run because I got that. What's he do? He pulls it out, causes whatever it is. There's things that the Lord wants to do on the inside. 